Oh, yes. It's the Hardcore Marketing Show. I am Casey Cheshire, your host for this epic journey to break the internet with marketing. And today's show, sponsored by the amazing Cheshire Impact on a mission to do what? Help you maximize your use of marketing automation, Pardot, and CRM, Salesforce. Hey, CheshireImpact.com. Bam. <laughs> now, today's guest, today's guest, I got to tell you, I'm excited for this one and on multiple dimensions. He is an entrepreneur. He's a creator, a storyteller, athlete, bacon lover. He is the founder of Content Bacon. <laughs> Who are these guys? They are kick-ass content, content marketing. They, they actually create, create this kick-ass content on inbound marketing. We're going to talk about nurturing. Dave, you're amazing. Dave Custon, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, Casey. Um, just want to point out, I'm the co-founder of Content Bacon. I have, I have an awesome partner. Um, she's also a, a, an amazing entrepreneur. Um, and like you, we're both part of- What's her name? Know, her name is Wendy Lieber. Shout out, Wendy. Yeah, shout, shout out to Wendy. Always shout awesome. outs to, always shout outs to Wendy. Um, awesome, man. Well, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate the, you having me on the show. Yeah. Now I want to remind people about the theme, the reason we have you and your, your magnified expertise on here is because we we're working on this roadmap, this roadmap map for maximizing marketing automation before you start blasting people or building some crazy thing using the latest if then statement, mm -hmm. you gotta, you gotta work on the right steps. You gotta know your audience. We did a little work on that. Talked a little bit more about setting up reporting. So you know what's working, what's not working. Now we're now we've also talked a little bit about content, a little bit about social, and now we're getting into nurturing. But mm -hmm. those last three, that's all you. So yeah. we're here to really just talk about this nurturing thing. What kind of content are, do people want? That kick-ass content you, you create. What is that? How how do we do that? So I want to just start out by, you know, we're both pumped up, we're ready to roll. Let's smash some myths. What's some bogus strategy that people have been thinking about? you know, related to content, relating to the idea of nurturing someone? Yeah. Okay. So there's, there's, there's a few myths that we, that we always come up against when we're, yeah. you know, meeting new, new customers, new prospects. Um, and, and just one fun myth I'd like to smash is that lawyers don't know everything. What? I know, <laughs> I, I know, I know lots of, they yeah, don't No, And I'm, I'm sorry to be a little um, uh, a little feisty this morning, but yes. Um, well, it's hardcore marketing. That's right. Let's do it. Um, so, um, you know, one of the myths that that we come in in contact with a lot, and I don't know if myth is the right word, in as much as it's it's just lack of awareness. Mm. Um, and I make the joke about about the lawyer because we're um, you know we're what having a, we're is having there a story a, behind that or something going <laughs> a, little, a little bit. A little bit. We're, ha we're, we're having a conversation with a customer who uh, they're not a law firm, but but there's there's an attorney in in, in the in the conversation, and um, this particular person thinks they know our business better than we know our business. So uh -huh. that maybe that maybe is a story for another uh, podcast. Um, but I think it, it speaks to and what I'm referring to speaks to you know, this awareness or lack of awareness around what it really looks like to have an inbound marketing methodology as part of your organization, right. or what it really looks like to, to have a strategy that's based on being helpful. And so I think the myth there, uh, maybe to use, to use your word, is that um, some organizations think that content marketing or inbound marketing is a, is a tactic to try. 
for a period of time. Got it. Like, let's try this for a week. Let's try <laughs> outdoor advertising to see if it works. And then right. we'll see what happens. We'll spend lots of money. Oh, and then, I see. And then go from So, you know, inbound marketing, content marketing, it's not a tactic. It's a way of being. Yeah. It's, it's you know, uh, I don't know how else to say it other than that. It's just a way of being. It's what all companies should be doing, in my opinion. Um, it's like, if you, you know, having a website 20 years ago, you had to have a website. Today, you have to have content. You have to let people know who you are, what you stand for, what you believe in, so they can get to know you, like you, trust you, and perhaps buy from you. You know, that's interesting. You know, it's that let's test into this thing. Let's just try this thing out. Let's just – and normally we'd be all in favor of that. Hey, just test out this thing. But there's some some strategies or things that are bigger than that. Like this isn't – let's – I love that. Like the billboard – by the way, don't try the – don't test the billboard (laughs) – probably you can't track yeah. that it's like yeah. bad. but like the idea, oh, let's just try it out and not waste our entire inheritance on this thing okay cool right but you're right that the whole nurturing uh inbound creating a it's a different way of doing marketing it's but it's an upgrade it's like you could stay back in the days of the yellow pages blasting hoping someone sees your ad or yeah. there's this new way of doing things and you're falling behind if you don't adopt it and it's not something, I mean, there's no marketing innovation vendor on the planet. Well, I say that now and I don't actually know, but the idea of like, it, you know, let me just go ahead and, you know, let me get this tool for a month, try it out. It's by the way, it's going to take you a month to even get some of these things set up, but you're going to be building content the rest of your life. That's right. You can't test. You can't just dabble, right? So no. you can't dabble. I guess that's what we're saying here. Yeah. You can't dabble. I mean, and you know, I, I maybe another myth or again, yeah you know, some, some lack of awareness is, you know, content's evergreen. Content is an asset. Content yeah. lasts, content lasts forever. A billboard, an ad, a radio spot, a TV spot. Those things typically, if not always are not evergreen. They're, they're, they're timely to when they are being utilized or implemented. Whereas an article, a white paper, a case study, um, uh, those things, those, you know, those bits of information that help a customer get to know you, like you, trust you, those are evergreen. Um, right. you know, so, so having a library, listen, libraries don't expire, right? Libraries right. Uh, last forever. So it's the same thing with your content. They sit on the digital shelf and they last forever and they can work for you forever. Right. Not just be there. They can actually do stuff for you. You know what? You mentioned the billboard thing and the fact that it, it expires. Um, and you're, you're in the area too, right? Are you, you're up in, where are you at? No, no, no. We're, in Fort, we're in Fort Lauderdale. You're, oh, you're in Fort Lauderdale. Okay. Right. So I, I need to explain this. I, I was driving out of Boston and there's a billboard on the way out and I was trying to look up the ad here. It's an ad for Petco and it says Goodell, as in for those listening, the commissioner of the NFL who basically uh-huh. hates on the Patriots yeah. and uh, Tom Brady. Goodell yeah. shops at PetSmart. <laughs> uh, that's good. <laughs> I like it. From Petco, right? Yeah. So that's pretty funny. Of course, I left the thing thinking PetSmart's brand instead of Petco, of but course. it was funny. We're talking about it now. But to your point, that's timely. He's not. Hopefully, he won't be the commissioner forever. Right. He yeah, won't be. Uh, but this thing that has it has you know it has legs, but eventually it, it falls down. It's yeah. not something that you can create a, a continual content machine over. No, it expires. It, it, yeah. it has it has a shelf life. Right. Um, that's finite. Right. So the the goal then, you know, is it is it really the shift from content or things or campaigns that expire? Is it 
is part of this the shift to evergreen the shift to create i mean i guess that's automation that's the dream of marketing yeah. automation is let's let's create something that continues to operate instead of requiring you know that tactical marketer every day yeah so you know we have this conversation a lot you know in the office and, and with our customers and and we're not we're not shitting on traditional media at all right. i i come from a traditional media background i have a creative director background i love and loved creating ads for my customers you know in another life and i loved that part of uh, the marketing world and it still obviously has its is someone point. holding a gun to your head <laughs> no not at all i mean i love talking about ads i love talking about branding i love talking about all that stuff right um but it's not for everyone and right. when i say everyone it's not for every kind of company certainly the you know, call them the one percenters of the world, the Nikes, the Pepsis, all the big brands, they yeah. have to be doing it. The Petcos, yeah. The, the Petcos, Pet I mean, yeah, the, you know, yeah. the, the Fortune 1000 column or the Fortune 500, they have to be doing it. Um, but if there's another company out there that's certainly not in that list, they can also be doing traditional media, but they should also be doing content because what likely will happen is someone sees an ad, they get interested, it's the tip of the spear. It's an invitation. Yeah. And so I see the invitation. Now I want to go learn more about the, the, this company. And the only way to do that is through content. Your, right. your about us page doesn't tell me jack squat. Your services, your services page does nothing for me. I need to hear your brand voice, and that's through content. And I'm not interested in filling out this crazy contact us page. No. That asked me 12 questions, including my annual salary, and we just met crazy. <laughs> exactly. Stop asking these questions. Exactly. So, yeah. it, you know, from again, in, in an ideal world for many companies, they would do both. They would do, they don't have to do both, but if they had to, you could do traditional media, but also create content because that's a, a beautiful marriage. Interesting. But I know we've also talked about just creating content. It isn't enough just to get them to your site. There's, there's more to it. it what's that mindset? What, what, how do you just approach this holistically? So someone, they don't have any of this stuff. Yeah. Or, or they kind of, they've misfired. Yeah. From the beginning, like where do you, how do you go? How do, how you, do you, okay. So, you know, you or, or your listeners have probably heard Gary V say, um, caring is a strategy. Yeah, you go. Yep. And so we wholeheartedly buy into that and believe that. And that's really at the, at the, you know, the, the, that's in the DNA of content marketing. That's Got what it. content marketing is. It's to be helpful. Got it. Because, you know, the companies that don't want to be helpful, uh, you know, like that are protective of their best information or yeah. have to solve a problem, they're the companies that are losing now. Hmm. Ones, the ones that are winning, the ones that are getting the opportunity to create conversations are the ones that are saying, hey, world, you, got, you have a problem. We have a solution. This, what, this is what that solution could be. And right. so that is the strategy is to be helpful. You know, you wake up every day and you want to be helpful. What kind of person do you want to be in the world? What kind of company do you want to be in the world? Do you want to be a company that's protective of information or one that is free with sharing it so that people can, you know, again, get to know yeah. you and maybe want to do business with you. You know, it's simple to say, I want, I wonder, you know, if you really dive into that, you know, how, you know, caring, is a strategy. I guess you just know. It's almost like, hey, do you love your kids? Do you, you know, mm -hmm. do you love skydiving? Or like, you just, you just know. It's like when the kids ask the, uh, what is that? There's like an Apple Jacks commercial. They're like, we like the cereal. It's like, it doesn't taste like apples. They're like, I don't know. We just taste good. And it's all yeah. that fake GMO corn and yummy exactly. sugar. 
It is yummy. fructose syrup that we love in here. But yeah. you know, it's like the, you just know. But but I mean, it's easy to say. You know, shout out to Gary V and all these. It, caring is a strategy. Mm-hmm. But you got to put that in action. How do you, you know? do it? Is that yeah, what you're asking? You gotta, how do you really do so it? Not, yeah, you got to. Well, how do you how do you know it? And then you got to put it into action. I guess. Yeah. Maybe that's the proof is in the pudding kind of thing. Yeah. So you know, I think how do you know it? I, listen, I think if if you don't know what it looks like to be helpful, then you probably shouldn't own a business, right? Right. Because whether we're selling a service or a product, part of every business is to be helpful. Is to is to is to deliver value. So, you know, just right. delivering value is, is, is some form of being helpful. But you could say, well, my product is going to help you. So buy now, you know, so like you miss the educational step. So it's almost like that it's educationally caring or something like that because. Yeah. Well, I, I see people like misuse that and they're like, well, I care about my people buy my thing right now. <laughs> you know, it's two grand. You give me the money. I, yeah, but who buys? Who buys like? I want to help you. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, like no one buys like that. I mean, the car salesman. Let me, let me help you help me. <laughs> exactly. I mean, you know, the, the just the world we live in has changed so much. Yeah. You know, just over the last three to five years, let alone the last decade, and people don't buy like that anymore. And and, and we make a clear distinction between transactional purchases and and considered purchases. So. Yeah. You know, going to the pizza shop or the or the ice cream parlor, or, or which plumber to use or electrician to come to my house, those are transactional. I, I don't really need to think so much, or I don't need to evaluate or read tons of content. But if I'm going to go on a trip, or if I'm going to buy something big for my house that costs me yeah. thousands of dollars, or engage a marketing company like yours for my business, right? You, you bet your ass I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to read about you and and see if our values align, see if I think you can actually help me, right. see if you're you know, a charlatan or you actually deliver the goods. So, you know, totally. listen to your podcast. Exactly. Interview with the amazing Dave Custon himself. Exactly. exactly. Absolutely. That, that, yeah. That, that, Dude, doing that work. That's a good point. It's that, that considered, the considered approach versus the transactional. Yes. Yeah. All right. You create kick-ass content. It, this sounds like it all comes from just this place of being helpful and you're leading your, your clients into the place of saying, look, the reason we make kick-ass content is because we're not thinking about you as much as we're thinking about Correct. your buyer. And, Correct. What, and, and so what, what, what step, like what's your first step you yeah. lead off and what? So our, our model is, is um, we have a subscription model, uh, our businesses. Um, and when, so when they, you know, we have customers all around the country. So, yeah. you know, to, to some, to some, you know, we may look and smell like an agency, but we're not an agency. Um, you know, we, we do onboarding like this, like you, you and I are using Zoom right now. Sure. We do our onboarding process through Zoom. Um, so a customer signs up for a package. Uh, they immediately get served up a, an intake questionnaire. Mm. That intake questionnaire is, it's really the, the beginning of the onboarding process where, you know, we're asking questions, not just about, you know, the facts and figures of your business, but, what are the problems you solve for your customers? Right. Because at the end of the day, Casey, everything is about them. You, you know, what's in this for me? That's how humans are wired. Totally. We, have, you know, we still have the caveman wiring, the survival uh, mechanisms, the, uh, you know, where, where's my next meal coming from or whatever. Right. It's like all of those things are still hardwired in us. And, and we still have them present for when we buy products and services. So right. what's in it for me? is a big part of um, what we get at through that intake process. What's important to your customers? What are they looking for? What problems do you solve for them? 
So all of that is the foundation for our content strategy that we create for our customers. Got it. So you're asking these questions and you're, you're trying to get to the heart of it. You know, it's funny. You mentioned the caveman. I was, I was thinking some more of us than others, like caveman marketing, high five. But you're right. It's what's in it for me. And so we're thinking about the, these folks. And, and then you know, how, how do you arrange it? Are you looking at different, um, different stages in the buying process across the journey? Are you addressing content in different areas? or oh, Yeah. You know, yes. What's your so, approach there? And so, you know, some of it has to do with well, what package did our customers sign up for? So we, oh, sure. you know, all of the packages and services that we provide are all in support of, of the sales funnel. So top of the funnel, middle, bottom. And so a customer could sign up just, just for the top. So they're looking for generating more traffic to their website, more brand awareness. And, you know, the top of the funnel is really the, the beginning of, of the buyer's journey. So yeah. we will develop content that is appropriate for that we will develop content that Google will index easily, index clearly, that Google will love. So all of that dictates the strategy for that particular customer. Right. If that customer is also doing stuff in the middle where we're generating leads, um, we need to have what we call meteor content. You know, this is content bacon, of course. Yes. So meteor content. That content is then appropriate for the middle. Wait, of- how does a meteor relate to bacon? <laughs> not, a a me- kind of bacon? not a meteor. Oh, meteor. Oh, meteor. Uh, oh, meteor. Oh, okay. Meaty. I was like, ooh, meteor. That's a cool brand. Uh, uh, I too, cool. too many SpaceX videos, I think. <laughs> Tastier content. How about that? Got it. Okay. Yeah. Um, so we'll develop that kind of content. That's gated yeah. content. It's longer form. It's more in depth. It's, it, it's higher value. And so, you know, again, we're, we're always aligning what we're writing and creating based on what our customer has hired us to do, right. as well as where their needs are in the customer journey or where their customers are in the journey. Got it. Huh? That's but cool. We have, but we have other customers too that, you know, they're, they're also in different phases of the inbound or the content marketing yeah. game. We have customers who are first starting and their content or rather their website isn't, isn't inbound ready. They don't have, you know, I, I don't think we've had one in a long while, but, you know, a couple of years ago, we would have customers, they didn't have device responsive sites or they didn't oh. even have a, they didn't even have a blog on their site or, or any kind of opt-in opportunity. So, you know, there's customers like that and there's customers who have done content marketing or they've written content, but they can't do it anymore. They don't have the bandwidth for it to do it in-house. So they, you know, they're looking to us to solve that for them. So there's, you know, they're on different ends of the scale too. Yeah. It's interesting about the mobile friendly sites. It's, it's been a couple of years now where it's, it's been the topic at the conferences yeah. where they're like, you got to have this. Here's the stat. You got to have this. Yeah. And it's almost like they can only do that so often before people are like, we get it. But what's crazy is I don't think people have actually changed. I just think the software they're using was like, Ooh, this could be a really cool advantage. And they just made their stuff automatically mobile friendly. Sure. And, and then the customer's like, Oh, Hey, look at that. We're mobile friendly. <laughs> yeah. I feel like we haven't run into a customer with a site that wasn't device responsive in a while. Yeah. So I don't know if that, I don't know if it's gone away or, or what, but. What'd you, what'd you call it? De- device responsive? Yeah. You don't call that's it cool. that? I was calling it mobile friendly, but <laughs> maybe that's like well, OG 90s. <laughs> I think it, it, it might be. Mobile, like, Casey? <laughs> if, I have a, if I have a giant tablet, I don't, you know, that like, yeah. It's not it's, really a mobile, right? It's, it's, I guess it's mobile, sure, but not in the way that you think of a phone. Right. Mobile. You know, that's a good point. It's no longer just the phone. It's now the iPad. It's 
Uh, my parents have these like gigantic iPads. And <laughs> yeah, I have like a mini. Tablets. I like the yeah. mini. It's kind of cool. You can yeah. hold it in hand and yeah. it's all good. But man, it's that whole thing of like, make these things bigger. Eventually you'll have like a, a full wall totally. iPad, you know? And then how do you fit that in your pocket? I don't know. But they have these things and they're gigantic. And now, so now you're, you, everything has to truly be responsive. You know, you Correct. live yeah. in a world where it isn't. But okay. So you haven't bumped into those people in a while. It's, I feel like it's been a while, yeah. So if you're out there listening to this and, you, and you're not <laughs> sure, or you go check your landing page out right now, and if it is, you are behind. It's like you're in gym class and everyone right. started the one-mile run, and you're still tying your shoes. So oh, get on sure. that. Get yeah, on I mean, that. maybe like they're five miles ahead. I mean, you can Google has a, has a, a device a, a device-responsive checker. So if you just Google, I like that. Uh, is my site device-responsive, Google will um, – that's probably the first result that'll come up as a Google checker. Yeah. Google will tell you what's up. Yeah. That's cool. All right. Well, so this is interesting. It, it, it really sounds like, you know, you start with the right mindset and then you've got these, these questions you're really trying to understand. How, how often do they not know the answer to those questions you ask? Or well, have like really, really crappy answers. You know, like um, hey, what, what do you serve for your customer? And they're like, uh, it's a, it's the software that costs $40 a month and it's really good. And you're like, that's not an answer. (laughs) Yeah. That's a good question. Um, uh, I think, I think most of our customers are, are pretty, pretty aware around what they're doing or what, what they're up to, what game they're playing. I I think, I think they're pretty aware around that. What I think they're, again, to kind of go back to the beginning of our conversation, I think there's just lack of awareness as to how to do it how to get, how to make sure they know what they're up to, how to make sure they know why they're a good option. But I think for the most part of the, the companies we're, we're talking to customers we have, they, they, they know the value they, they provide. Sounds like you work with some good groups and that's good. Yeah. It sounds like they have the knowledge it's in there and you're, you help them extract it and organize it and get it into some written content, some written formats that the language, the language, we, yeah. the language we use is we help them tell their story. Every company has a story to tell. Mm, stories. Yeah. And so we, you know, we like to approach what we're doing in that format in the storytelling format, because that's what, that's how people are. That's how our brains are wired anyway. Um, we're wired to, to accept or to, uh, to engage with stories and storytelling. And so, you know, every company has a story to tell and even companies in the same vertical, they each have distinct stories. So, and their customers have distinct stories and their prospects do. So, you know, we're, we're, we're always looking at it through that lens and, and we want a customer's prospect to read their content and say, shit, that's me. I got, I got to call these guys. So that's, that's, right. that's kind of the, the bar we're, we're, we're being. You know, I, I think you really hit on something there too. The storytelling thing, it, it, it really is, it is like the next way of, of writing that content. Yeah, um, I think so. You know, we had, we had Tom uh, Gerace from, Storynomics and and um, and he was on here talking about and Skyward. It was it was a question the company I was looking for. We had in talking about how just it's not business as usual. Now, are you seeing that sometimes people want to write like they wrote in college or sort yeah. of write these like essays, but they get to you. And obviously, yeah. bacon is not bland, right? Bacon yeah. is not your dried out buffet no. eggs that are like right. hard to the touch. So that, that's sort of another, uh, again, you know, to use, use the, the word from the question, another myth. Um, yeah. But, I, you know, I, we, write, we write for humans. 
We don't mm-hmm. write for machines. And so what that means is what's, what's underneath that is. Yeah, human, break that down. That's really. Human, humans want to be spoken to like they're a human. Yeah. And they want the content to have a voice. You know, so I guess what that really means is like in the, in the high, in the top of the funnel content that we're creating, you might say that it's more conversational than not. Um, right. You know, we've run into a couple of uh, cases where some customers, you know, getting back to lawyers for a minute, lawyers, they want their content to sound lawyerly. They want to, they, you know, again, this is my hmm. bias. The bias yeah. is they want to write for other lawyers. And P.S., oh, they're, not interesting. Writing, they're not writing for other lawyers. They're writing perhaps for a business owner. And by the way, I don't want to read legalese. I want to read something that's going to help me with the, you know, problem I have inside my business. So, you know, we, we, at the, again, at, at the top of the funnel, we're telling stories and we're, we're doing it in a way, doing it in a way that makes it easy for a human being to, to relate to, to want to read it. Um, you know, that's, that's really interesting. Yeah. The idea of writing for yourself makes sense. And now we're, we're kind of lucky because we get to work with other marketers. And so we yeah. literally are writing for ourselves. But when I was back in the day, you know, IT software or whatever widget, you know, I was doing marketing for, I wasn't writing for myself. But but you have to be careful that you don't write like that. I mean, I, I've certainly had conversations with IT folks. And if you speak like a marketer to an IT person, you sound really fuzzy, lovey, dovey. <laughs> and they're yeah. like, look, uh, I'm all about operational risk and security and uptime. I don't need this love. Lovey dovey doesn't keep our data center up at night. You yeah, know, they, I, I need Jira task lists. I need to hear how hardcore you are about project management. It's like a different audience. It, and, and, I, yeah. and I've had the, the, the chance to even hear in conversations how people either light up when you start talking the way um, they want to hear, the way they talk, or if you talk something else, then they sort of shut down. So same thing in content then. You know, it makes sense. Uh, right, right for your audience. And it's almost like, why are we even saying this? It's like a no brainer, but it's it's true, right? You got to remind yourself, unless you're selling other marketers or other, you know, salespeople, whoever you are, that you got to make sure. And if you don't know how, how do you do that? Right. If you're not, obviously your clients aren't just selling to marketers. If you're selling to some other type of entity, some buyer persona that you don't even know yet, how do you, how do you learn to write in their language? It's a good question. Um, you know, that's part of that's part of that early, that's part of that initial part of the process. In other yeah. words, um, collaborating with our customer to really understand their customer is critical. Um, you know, what we're achieving there or what we're attempting to achieve is we need to become them. And so, um, you know, interviews, conversations, maybe having conversations with current customers of our customer. Yeah. Um, you know, that's that, and that's the job of a writer. So the, the, our writing team, nearly all of them have some kind of journalism background. So there's, right. there's a natural inclination for curiosity, for asking questions, for wanting to know. And so through that entire process, we, we ideally um, identify how that prospect wants to be spoken to. Right. Um, your IT example, there are times where, someone they just want the facts yeah give me the box score don't tell me yeah you know don't don't keep the color to yourself give me the box score 
but typically, I think in our experience, what we find is that's still middle of the funnel, if you will. That's part two. I have to, I have to first, you got to give me some kind of invitation to want to get to know you. Yeah. It, now, it may not be interesting, right? It's not to say that, hey, if you're an IT, you're a robot. It, but before I start getting hate, hate, hate mail on Twitter, I got a CS degree, people. So I'm with you. I'm one of yeah. you. Yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's so you're right. It, just because someone tends to primarily act in a certain way, buyer tends to act a certain way, they might act different ways based on where they're at in that funnel. Early on, they still need that personal invitation. You 100%. Hit them in the feels. They just have different feels than you and me. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, they, I mean, everyone has concerns and hopes and dreams and fears and all that. Of course, even if even if as an IT professional, I get a referral. Casey tells Dave to go check out this company. Yeah, I still I'm still going to look for. Hey, what are these guys all about? That's 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 kind of the you know the 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 process that's going on in the, in the mind before I look for the data to say, okay, this is what I need to buy. Right. What are these guys all about? Are they are they nice people? Are they jerks? Are, are they obnoxious? Like what's it's just that's how humans are wired. And now we yeah. have a way, we have a very easy way as businesses to provide the information for someone to go through that process easily. You know, it's interesting though, as you mentioned that, I was thinking of, you know, when even if I got a referral, I want to go see if these guys are jerks or if they're good, if they work or not. So I'm gonna qualify them. Now this particular buyer. I, I went to dating. I don't know why, but the idea of different people are going to be impressed in different ways, right? You walk yep. up to someone and you're like, yo, I'm, I'm this, or Hey, I'm a, I'm a skydiver. What's up? And some people are like, Ooh, that's so amazing. Some people are like, yeah, whatever, you know, but someone else, it might be, Hey, I went to, yeah. I went to Harvard like, or, you know, someone else might just be a conversation, right? Everyone has a different way of, of um, qualifying, right? It, and, and each buyer persona is even going to address it in a different way. So to your point, uh, they're, they're still going to do it. So just try to figure out what are the things they're looking for. That's right. You got to find out what works. You know, um, a friend of mine was sharing with me the other day that, uh, you know, there's different projects in AI that are automatically going out there and looking at different products and figuring out um, what different qualities are being pitched Hmm. Uh, by all the different products, gathering them all together, and then creating a, a super version of that thing, sending a plan off to China, and then it, it's like on the shelves on, online a few days later. Oh, my God. All the qualities that everyone was looking for, it's yeah. like it's going to get crazy out there at some point. It's interesting. That's really interesting. It's like you could go to – I guess you could avoid you know, uh, product testing and, and you know, doing yeah. any, any kind of that market research – it's, it's like market knowing, not market research. Yeah. So it's market knowing and then you go build a thing and you, you could sell a prototype on Amazon and if it sells, you, you know, you build more. That's, that's pretty cool. Of anything. Of anything. Yeah. <laughs> and if you're that person out there selling buckets or whatever just got yeah. auto prototyped, <laughs> good luck, man. That's but, super cool. But back to the, the idea, um, people are qualifying and – and we want to get into their mind and figure out who they are. And I was thinking almost of like, um, what's that movie where um, on the island and he's like stranded and Wilson, the volleyball, you know which one that uh, is? Yeah. Um, Tom, Tom Hanks. Hanks. Yeah. Uh, we don't even know. People are like, people are screaming at us. Uh, Tom Hanks uh, Island. <laughs> 
Castaway. Castaway. Okay, there we go. People are like these guys are stupid. Whew. But uh, <laughs> I, gotta get, I would na- I would not be able to perform the rest of the conversation. Well, the good news is you figured it out before I googled it, so we're we're good. But I was thinking about Castaway. It, the idea of actors, method actors, really getting to know. You know, Tom Hanks is not the FedEx guy. He's not this other thing. But he spent time getting to that part. You hear of other actors who, you know, lose tons of weight. Um, uh-huh. And uh, what was that? The, like the Dallas Buyers Club. That was a, I don't know if yeah, you saw Matthew, that movie. Matthew McConaughey, yeah. Yeah. You know, he lost like a whole bunch of weight uh, filming that thing. So, so he could reflect that person he was, he was playing who had AIDS and was really, really sick. Yeah. And man, I mean, kudos to them. But sometimes they can really mess themselves up. But I think where I'm going with this is they, they are really trying to get in the shoes yeah. of the person they're playing. You know, and, yeah. and I wonder how we could learn from that example as marketers to – get in the shoes of the people that we're messaging to, especially if they're completely different from who we are, you know, they're not, they're not us. I think there's a whole lot to take away from that. And I think that, um, you know, when you talk about those actors, I don't think they're, I think technically speaking, they're not acting, they're being. Ooh, yeah. So they're, so, (laughs) you know, Tom Hanks wasn't acting like a castaway. He was being a castaway. (laughs) And I, you know, I think that's what actors do, right? They, you know, you said it, they get in the shoes of that, of that character and they actually, right. be, they be that character. They don't pretend, um, they don't act. So I, I think one of the takeaways, you know, for all of us is just as human beings, like who do we have to be yeah. to, to, to achieve whatever goal we've set for ourselves for the, for the hour, for the day, for the week, the month, the year, the decade, who do we have to be? How do we have to show up? Um, and, and I don't mean act. I mean, I make a very clear distinction between being and acting. Acting is like pretending. Right. Being is actually, that's who you are being in that moment. So I think there's that takeaway. Um, but I think with respect to um, our customers, you know, we have, we have the language in our office. It's like, call, call the customer and get in their world. What is right. going on? What are they dealing with? And we want to do that because we can um use that to create content we can use that as an opportunity to change the voice or it's just a part of the voice that we haven't learned yet uh, it, it's what they deal with when they're dealing with their customers so there, there's there's all of that about getting it in there's a whole world in getting into someone else's world um and we use that all the time we use that language all the time yeah, that's interesting. Um, not acting, being. And the, the quote I, I wrote down here, which I, I want to just say again, was, you know, call the customer, get in their world. You're not saying pretend to be them. You're not saying yeah. pretend, ask them about their world. You're like, go get in their world. Go get on that island with the crew from Lost. You know, that's, don't, that's, don't that's watch great. it from TV. Get in yeah. there. That's and, great. And see what it's like to be in there with them, looking around, seeing what they see, doing what they do. Yep. Um, yeah, uh, th- there's, it's, it's, it's great that you mentioned getting on the island with them. There's a, yeah. there's a great animated video. You know who Brene Brown is? No. So Brene Brown is a, she's a, she's a, an author, a speaker. Um, hmm. If you later, when we're done, you Google Brene Brown empathy. And there's a, there's a very clear distinction between empathy and sympathy. Empathy uh, is someone says, Hey, I, I'm in a hole right now. I'm hurting and I'm in a hole. Empathy is you actually crawl down into that hole with them. Sympathy 
is you shout out from the top of the hole. Hey, how's it going down there? <laughs> I wish you weren't in that hole. Seriously? That, so empathy, yeah, you have to crawl in that hole. Yeah. And so that's what getting in someone's world is all about. It's like, what are you dealing with? And not what are you dealing with because I want to give you advice. It's what are you dealing with because I want to know about it. I want to get you. I want to, I want to get what you're dealing with. And maybe we can you know, create some solutions or, or whatever together. Um, but that's, 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 that's what it is to get on the island with someone. That, that, that's totally it. The empathy. Having yeah. empathy in your marketing. Sympathy. I think sometimes it's too much of a fuzzy term without defining it like you just did. We're like, oh, you know, be sad when they're sad or, you know, it's like be with them in that. Yeah. Yeah. I want you to watch that video. It's, it's, it was, I, I only came in, came in contact with that video fairly recently and yeah, um, it, was, it was really eye-opening because it, it, the, way the, the way the video lands on me, sympathy is really a useless emotion. Hmm. It's, it's useless because it's like, if, you know, you'll see in the video, someone says, oh, I, I was pregnant and I lost the baby. The other character says, well, at least you could get pregnant. That's sympathy. <laughs> and that feels like shit, right? Yeah. Um, whereas empathy would be like, wow, I, I'm sure that's really hard. I don't know what to say to you right now, but I'm glad you told me. That's empathy. And so sympathy drives people apart, whereas empathy brings them together. Huh. How often do you think we're being sympathetic when we're doing marketing these days? That's a good question. I th it feels I like a lot. Probably, probably yeah. a lot. I mean, it's like the lip service to get to helping out your buyer. Oh, are you having trouble getting leads? <laughs> exactly. Well, here, buy yeah. my thing. I, I'm, I'm sure it'll help you at some yeah. point, you know, yeah. like, or, yeah. I'm, or I'm or sure. is your, your computer down? Oh, yeah. oh, that's so, that's so, well, at least, at least you have a least, computer. At least you have a computer. At least you have a computer. Buy yeah. my thing. Exactly. Or here, talk to a sales rep who's like, yeah, you know what? And people can tell, especially when you're talking to them, if they're listening. Or some people can. I, I, I can. I tend to like listening to people talk, and yeah. and if they're really gen being genuine. And I think yeah. authentic's the other word with that too. I think authentic authenticity ties into this empathy and sympathy too. Because if you're, it's almost like if you're being sympathetic, if you're showing sympathy, you're not authentic, right? You got it, Casey. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent agree with that. Interesting. What, it's like, what a, what a twisted web we weave. It all kind of ties together, huh? <laughs> yeah, and, and I know people are, I know the intention is, is from a good place when someone's being sympathetic. Um, you know, the, I think the intention is good. I think. Yeah. I think for the most part, I mean. I think so. I mean, I, I got to say, I've been sympathetic before. You yeah. know, you're mentioning sure. this. I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> I think it so, comes from a good place. Yeah, I, I think so. I think we're just, we don't, we're not realizing um, well, I, you know, it takes work to get in that hole with people, you know? Absolutely. It takes being vulnerable. It takes, you know, willing, willing to want to, you know, not necessarily try to solve someone's problem, but to actually get them and have them feel gotten. That's what empathy is. That's, that's, you know, again, someone, someone's in a hole and they're dealing with some shit, like get in that hole with them. Say, so I don't have the answers. I don't know what to do, but I'm in this uh, hole with you. And I, I, feel, I feel that you're going through something and, and I'm willing to feel it with you. You know, what's, you, you mentioned something else too, which is the, the problem solving. I think that's 
when I've been in problem solving mode, that's probably when I've been more on the sympathy Sympath side because yeah. you're in the hole. I'm not in the hole and I'm trying to say, Hey, let me get you out of there. You know, so yeah. rather than coming in there with you, but I think what we're discovering here, it's probably better hop in the hole with someone say, look, I've been here too. Yeah. And, and I, you know, now that I think about it, when, when I talk to people about marketing automation, I, I like, look, I've been here where I didn't have anything. And I used Google and I had to hack it and it was, mm -hmm. it was gross. I couldn't report ROI. <laughs> it was really bad. I've, I've been there. I'm in the hole with you. Yeah. Now together here, let me give you a boost. Let's get out of here. It's no fun in here. That's right? Right. Out, uh, as opposed to looking down upon someone and, and getting them out. But yeah, that problem solving can get in the way. Um, that, there's a place for that, but it sounds like the best, the first way to meet someone is at that beginning part where you're being empathetic. Yeah. I mean, meet them where, meet them where they are. And I think that's what having empathy is. It's, it's meeting them where they are. It's, it's actually asking them questions, not delivering a, um, delivering a prescription or a solution. It's asking them questions. What are you dealing with? What's going on with you? Interesting. So what I love about this is this is that mindset we were talking about. Mm -hmm. um, and it's things like this. This is really what makes your bacon so tasty, right? <laughs> this is what makes the content so good in the end is because, you know, we can tell someone to, you know, they could, they could take your exact same questionnaire <laughs> and give it to someone. You know, mm -hmm. I'm sure one of your competitors is doing that right now. Probably are. <laughs> and, and it doesn't matter because if they're not approaching it with the same mindset, if they're That's not, right hopping in the hole with someone, showing the empathy, and then also showing the empathy toward their buyer, then mm -hmm. they're missing the point. And they're going to create this soulless, inauthentic content, which is kind of the status quo, which is what most content is, yeah. um, if you don't have the right people creating it. Very well said, Casey. Sounds like you do this for a living. <laughs> well, yeah, just a couple days, just a couple <laughs> days on the job. This is, uh, this is my first day. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome. That's really interesting. Um, yeah, huh. yeah and, and I, I know you're huge on mindset and um, there was actually a, you know, it's kind of cool. It's like, let's talk marketing, but we also talk mindset and then we're going to spiral out of control and eventually talk Tony Robbins and stuff. <laughs> uh, we've been holding it together, people, <laughs> holding it together. But what's neat is we're taking it deeper and deeper into the mindset, you know, the idea that there are, there are thoughts and feelings people have way before they take actions, you know, mm -hmm. and you actually had a really cool uh, LinkedIn post you put out there and um, you know, maybe you can just you know, set up for people. It's about your yeah. son and, and golf. Yeah. So my son, my, I have a 15 year old son. He just turned 15 uh, this past weekend. He's a junior yeah. golfer. He's been golfing since he's, you know, seven, eight years old. Yeah. Um, he probably has, you know, if anyone's read uh, Malcolm Gladwell's book uh, outliers, he probably has the 10,000 hours. Yeah. 10 K. And if he's not, he's, he's awful close. Dang. He spends, you know, he spends summers, he has, you know, he's on the golf team at school, he leaves early, he goes to the course, he's got a coach, he's got a swing coach, he's, uh, the, the context I'm providing is, is just to illustrate, this is his thing, this is what he's right. very serious about, he, <clears throat> you know, he wants to be a professional golfer, so, you know, he's, he's really dedicated. I mean, he's, he has a reputation amongst uh, the coaches and other parents that no one puts in the kind of work that he puts in. And so a couple of weeks, a month ago, um, he uh, was really frustrated with his game and, you know, we're at the dinner table and he just said, I quit. He says, I'm done. 
I quit. And it was really, it, it really came out of a place of frustration. He was, he was, he was, he really was more not. venting or, or was it like a, like stating like, I guess either way, when you say those words, it can kind of click something. Yeah. I think it was, I think it was venting. Yeah. Um, but you know, just to utter the words is, you know, whether the person saying it or the person hearing it, you know, and you know, my wife and I, we, we support what he's up to. Right. So we're in it with him. We're in that hole with him. So, you know, he said, I quit. And, you know, I, we, we just, you know, we let that, just let that be. And sure. And, and then we had a conversation and said, okay, let's go talk to Dan. Dan's a swing coach. Dan's a, you know, uh, a really experienced guy. He's, you know, kind of the guy to talk to about where my son is, his name is Jackson, where Jackson is in his journey, what he's dealing with. Is this normal? Is it not normal? Typical, whatever. So we have that conversation and, you know, through, through my experience with, you know, I guess empathy or with just kind of asking questions, you know, we uncovered that my, my son is really gifted in math. He's gifted in math. Awesome. So he's very focused. Math? On, <laughs> no, 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 no. Did he avoid the new math? They don't teach that in my, in my kids. Uh, school, so. I'm moving my kid. <laughs> we'll talk after. <laughs> so, you know, he has a very strong bias to formulas. Yeah. And, and the game of golf, while there are mechanics, you know, physics is a huge part of it. Right, there's, no, right. there's no two swings that are alike. And yet you can have mm. a swing that is very un, um, non-traditional, if you will, like yeah. a Jim Furyk, and he can shoot 59. And then you have, you know, another guy on the other end of the spectrum who has a beautiful swing. Um, and he also shoots 59. So um, he's very... He has a strong bias towards the mechanics. And so what we uncovered was he was trying to produce the perfect swing. Meanwhile, an ugly swing can still produce a perfect shot. Uh, yeah. Well, I think, I think that's happened to me at Top Golf a couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, you know, I guess what came out, of, came out of that session was, you know, we're like, Jackson, you just, you know, you want to be focused on the formulas and the mechanics. You do that in practice. When it's tournament time, you got to just go fucking play. Yeah. You got to use your heart. You got to be creative. You got to be free, and and that's what the word playing is all about. And so, right. so the month of April, he had four tournaments, and he went twenty first, first place, first place, ninth place, and so he went from quitting to winning. And and one one of the tournaments he won was like a big deal tournament. Wow. Um, yeah. And so, the point is, Casey, nothing changed but his mindset. Right. He didn't all of a sudden learn a new swing technique. New swing, yeah. He didn't learn anything new physically. Especially he after 10,000 hours of doing these swings. It's not like, yeah. Yeah. And so I, you know, the article that I wrote was, was really about how that's something we should all, you know, particularly as business owners, as entrepreneurs, you know, we have to be playing that game too. And, yeah. and you know, there, maybe there are some mechanics and formulas that all businesses should be, you know, implementing. But at the end of the day, you know, me, my partner, you, my, my EO, you know, brothers and sisters, like we gotta, yeah. you gotta play with some heart and, and use that, use that muscle as much as any other muscle. Yeah. Get out of your head. Get out of your head. We call it being on the court. Being on the court is out here in the real world where everyone is. There's nothing going on in your head. There's no people in your head. There, you know, people are out here, the things that we have to do and, and handle and speak to and deal with and all that shit's out here. So like be out here. Interesting. Um, 
you know, I've heard it said of like, it's it we're quieting down that that central, you know, data computer, that central um, network, you know, of thinking and analyzing and overanalyzing. We need to sort of silence that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the the mind can be a, so destructive for us. Um, you know, like if we if we um, you know, allowed someone else to talk to us the way we talk to us. <laughs> yeah, we punch them in the face. We punch them in the face. Totally. I mean, it, it, it's it's amazing how we allow that. Right. But we all but we do. So you're right. We got to quiet that shit down. Yeah, it, especially you know, I, I see that with a lot of achievers too. You know, the the more focused you on the achievement side, obviously you're trying to get more of that and analyze and improve and adapt, but that. That self-talk can go from encouraging to beating you up more than anyone else could very quickly. Yeah. 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 You know, and and uh, what's and what, what what people could or can also get is 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 and you just touched on it. The the self-talk doesn't have to be negative. Like we have it that it is often, but it doesn't have to be that way. We can yeah. you know, I, I have a I have a I have a coach, mentor, he's another EOer that um in fact, I went and saw him after I saw you in Canada. Yeah. He, he's up, he's in um, uh, Ottawa. I went and visited him in, in Ottawa. And he has this self-talk that he does when he's, when he, before he's going to give a speech or a presentation. What's his name? Uh, Govind Jayaraman. Okay. You know Govind? So, no, but I need to apparently. Okay. Um, he, he has this self-talk where w- when he's walking through an airport, he says, or when he's walking to give a presentation or a speech or a meeting, he says, I'm unstoppable. Mm. I am unstoppable. I am fucking unstoppable. And what do you think happens when he gets to the place he's going? He's what? Unstoppable. Unfucking stoppable. Totally. So the same self-talk of I'm a loser and I can't win. Guess what? You're going to be a loser and you can't win. You yeah. can have it. You can have it the other way too. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, I I I love that. Um, you know, it's almost like like a like a mantra or just something that you're telling yourself. Uh, repeatedly it's that it's that inner self-talk that can be positive and you know a lot of people have stories of just that can even just transform you so even if you're not that say that and you know one one that I did for a while was I am a world-class business leader because at the time I was thinking man do I feel like I just uh man I gotta improve my game and I was like no 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 your game is good keep doing it grow learn right you're awesome world-class business leader and you know usually helps if you're like in the sauna doing sun god rotations yes, you're just yeah. like ah i am this you know um and you know the stories even like tony robbins in a car just like yelling at the top of his lungs no one else is there yeah. <laughs> but just yeah. and, and if you think about it you know when was the last time we yelled at the top of our lungs in a positive way you know just really connecting that emotion um and in just really owning something so uh interesting yeah that that inner self-talk can be positive and um and it can get you out of that head um you know one of the other things that uh that i've picked up from tony robbins is that you know if you if you get stuck in your head you're dead you know and it sounds like this was the golf thing too you get stuck in your head you're dead and that's one of my challenges because i can i can very quickly go into the head as in i'm just i'll just over analyze the hell out of it oh yeah and then and i'll just spiral out of control and and one of the techniques they do is they, is they say, you got to get into your heart. And this is the exact same thing you're saying with leading with love, 100%. Your son and, yep. and love the game, play, 
you know, your muscles know what to do. You, you inherently, you've put the practice in already. So just do, just go. And, and they had different exercises. One was like, um, uh, I went up to this lady. I'm like, look, I'm stuck in my head. I can't answer this simple question. Uh, it's really frustrating me and I'm going in a spiral and, um, keep saying the same things over and over again. And she, put your hand on your heart, close your eyes and just focus on your breathing for just like a minute. And we never do this. So it, like when you do do something like that, yeah. it just takes you off your game and your brain's like, okay, I can do this. I, I'm going to count my breaths or I'm going <laughs> to focus on this. And, but it's, it's your whole like mind is now focused on something so simple and you're connecting. There's a lot, probably a lot more to it, but it just, that kind of a simple activity got me out of that head mode to point where I was, I was, uh, and as soon as I was, you know, you're in that heart mode when I went down, sat down with that book, that journal and, and I just knew the answer, right? Yeah. It just, instead of like, oh, do I do this? Do I do that? It was like I got, got out of the head, and then I just just knew, you know? Um, the, you, you touched on it. You've done the hours. You've done the work already. So what my, what my son's golf coach says to my son is, he says, like, he'll, he'll give him a technique. Yeah. He'll give him – he calls it a swing thought. I mean, that's, that's a common phrase in golf coaching, swing a swing thought. So if you want to go left, you, you swing – think left. Want to go right? You think right. It's like that kind of thing. Wait, wait, wait. If you want to go left, yeah. think right. Or swing think right, right. Swing right. Think left. Okay, break this down for me. I can't. I can't. I can't. I so can't. you swing and you I think. Of, is it as simple as like you want the ball to go left? You just think about it going to the left. There's a, there's this video of uh, Tiger Woods and I think it's Anthony Kim. Yeah, who's a, who's a golfer who kind of has vanished. They're doing a they're doing a um, uh, uh, like a workshop, okay. Like doing a demonstration with a with a with a crowd. Yeah. And someone says, "Hey, Tiger, how do you hit a low fade?" And he gives a ten minute dissertation. <laughs> and they say, "Anthony, how do you do it?" He goes, "I don't know. I just think low fade." Right. Right. You, if you if you if you watch any video of Bubba Watson, same questions. Bubba, how do you how do you hit a you know how do you go left? He goes, "I don't know. I just think left." Interesting. So so the point is you can learn these techniques, you learn things. And the idea is when it's time to play, you forget about them. So my, oh, yeah. my coach's sons will say to him, okay, just forget about it. Because what often will happen is you're so focused on it. You overdo it. Yeah. You start, right. hook, you start hooking it. Right. And so, you know, he says too much of a thought is, is a good thing. So just forget about it. Forget about it. You know, me and golf, uh, mini golf, and one time at Top Golf. But but the the thought I had when you were talking about that was uh, indoor skydiving. Okay. And I love skydiving. Indoor works in the winter time. And have you have you ever been? I haven't. Okay. Well, next time you're up here, or okay. we'll we'll go. It's okay. a blast. You you won't die. Um, <laughs> I got it. <laughs> you're like you're like I'm fine. I, that's not that's my no, 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 I'm, in, I'm I'm down. There's a, there's, a, there's <laughs> There's an iFly that just opened up. Uh, oh my up. gosh, where? I'm coming down. <laughs> in Davie, Florida. Not, not That's cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they have one in my, my town, like right in Nashville, New Hampshire, there's one. It's crazy. I worked there when I was a kid. Um, so when you first start learning, you learn to fly. Have you done real skydiving? No. Man, we got, we got things to do together. This is good. <laughs> okay. So when, when you're flying, you first learn to fly on your belly. Mm -hmm. uh, you're kind of in this arch position like you see in the movies. And what's really cool and, and people when they join uh, cheshire impact we take them all indoor skydiving because it's just oh, nice really wacky and we're like awesome. welcome to the cult of casey uh but so we like you get in there and 
it was crazy is for the first time in a long time, unless you've done some of these, these sports uh, or athletics, every position of your body actually matters. Okay. You know? And I know this definitely relates to golf with man, feet, hands, everything. Everything, everything, right? Well, when you get in there, your whole body is like an aerodynamic airplane falling through this wind. Um, and so when your, your hands are up, if they're not parallel, then you're turning somewhere. Or if you're, if your hands are up, but not as much as your feet are out, you're going to yeah. go forward. So there's this whole balancing act in uh, the whole point at the very beginning is just to get balanced, get so that homeostasis, little science fact, that okay. balance where the forces are all equal, on all your different legs and body and torso so that you just float there without moving. And once you get that, you can learn to like move something and twist and turn yeah. in the slightest knee bend or the shift or that you're turning left or right. Um, and at first, it's really awkward. And the more awkward it is, the worse you do. And in fact, if you're super solid in your body, um, you start potato chipping, which is where you just sort of rock huh. back and forth. So if you see new people, they're in there and they're just sort of rocking back. It's because they're so solid. And so they have hand signals. And one is like the surfer, hey, what's up, dude? And that just means relax. And when they give this to people, you see them all stressed out. And they're like, relax. And they just, they're, they just follow instructions and they relax and they sink into their arch and they just settle and you see it just working. Yeah. Um, and, and I found that in early on, you're trying to work to figure out how to turn, but eventually you just do. And just then you just think it. And eventually they teach you to, to fly on your back. Uh -huh. And I remember going from being like an expert at belly flying, like I'm the man. And then like, okay, let's learn how to fly on your back. You're like, Whoa, okay. And it was complete opposite. Your legs have to be in a different position. And I sucked at it yeah. for a long time. And they're like, no, no, if you do this, do that. And then you'll float. And it never made sense. But eventually I can now fly on my back. And, but to your point, I don't know how it just, just it. it just works. Yeah. And it's like, it, it doesn't. And then eventually sitting like Spider-Man, it's crazy. Uh, but it, it, it didn't really work for me until I put in enough time being goofy and having them keep me from flying to the side. And eventually it works. And then, you know, I can do these barrel rolls now, I guess technically they're called aileron rolls, but um, where you kind of like flip around. Mm -hmm. I have no idea how I do that a, a little bit. I know some things happen, but I just kind of go and it just sort of happens. Yeah. And, and yeah, it's like you get out of the head, you're into that muscle memory. Um, you're in the heart. You're just sort of just playing, you know, you just go be, you just go and be, go and be man. Well, so content bacon, tell me about this thing. Um, how long has it been like, Many years, many moons ago, you started this thing, or so we're uh, we're going on our fourth year. Uh, my partner and I, you know, we're both EOers. We met in Wendy, right? Wendy and I met in um, in the accelerator program of EO uh, back in 2012, cool. 2012, yeah. 2013. We both had different businesses. Um, we, you know, got to know each other. We started a new business, Content Bacon. So we're going on our fourth year. Um, our, our mission is to make it really easy for companies to, uh, you, you know, start and fuel their inbound marketing strategies. And so like the thing it. that we've, you know, that we're really aware of the thing that we've really, you know, are always keen to is that companies, there's plenty of tools out there, but there's plenty of platforms, there's plenty of software, but you still need content. Yeah. And so companies largely struggle with producing content, good content, useful content, content that does all the stuff that we're talking about. So we make it really easy for companies to do that. We're, we're not an agency. We have a, sub, a sub, subscription model. It's easy for you to say. 
yeah. um, uh, they pick from a package that is you know either in support of you know top of the funnel, middle of the funnel, or bottom of the funnel, or one that's all three. Um, and we onboard them in 30 days, and we get started uh, pushing content out. You know, after those first 30 days, and boom, they have an inbound marketing machine very easily. You know, yeah, it's not as hard as people may think it is. It's but not. you're right. It's the ammo. I always compare like marketing automation is your That's great. is yeah. your awesome like gun on yeah. Contra. Remember that old Nintendo game? Oh but yeah. It's like your it's or it's your your sports car, your race car, or something. But uh, your fuel. content is your fuel. It's your ammo. It's your fuel. It's what makes the motor work. And people realize that. So sometimes they get to this like lack of content. Be- like indecision, like, well, I don't have any, so I can't then start doing inbound marketing. I'm not going to get marketing automation because, well, I don't have the content. It's like, it's, it's possible to get this stuff created, but to your point, do it in the right way. Cause you could very go, there's some, there's some bad sites out there and, and you could go and you could, you could get the worst content ever that no one wants to read and it's going to hurt your brand. That's right. Um, so don't do that, but there are easy ways to get really good content. Um, and obviously, you know, you're on this mission. Does Wendy like bacon as much as you do? Everyone loves bacon, Casey. Everyone does love bacon. You know, I actually cooked a, a pack of bacon with uh, my son on the weekend because the girls were away. So it was like dude day. So there was a pack of bacon and dudes don't cook a half a pack of bacon. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> no, like, whole pack only. Whole pack, man. Uh, but later on when I was at my uh, parents' house, my dad had this like double, triple pack. Yeah. But he was going to cut it up or whatnot because that would have been a little weird to cook that whole thing but maybe that's what happens at your office every yeah. day is you're just cooking up yards of bacon you know we don't. i would visit if that was the case <laughs> we don't we don't have bacon sizzling here in the office but when a new customer signs on uh we do send them a, a box of cupcakes one of those cupcakes has candied bacon on it so <laughs> you got you know. to man have to is it like the candy maple bacon or like the smoky bacon oh yeah tell you what man that's pretty popular up here um there's even bacon cotton candy i don't know if you send that to your customers too that might be a good idea that sounds a little scary to me dude you're content bacon man you can't you can't say no to bacon things you should probably okay. have tried them all out okay i'll try it you twisted my arm <laughs> <laughs> you need to lead from the front here and try out all these weird bake you know next time i see a bacon thing i'll send it to you some weird uh you know, how about the bacon? I don't they have bacon jelly beans. You know those like little they do. tiny they ones. They do the, the the Jelly Belly brand. You know they have yeah Jelly Belly. Have every, some of them taste like socks to me, but um, <laughs> well, that sure you must have had the earwax one then. Oh, definitely. And those things are dangerous. My daughter got some. I was like, look at these. I'm like, ah, oh, uh, I don't know why they do it. Uh, Not nice. Not nice at all. <clears throat> well, dude, who are you? Like what? What's really fascinating is, you know, mindfulness, the companies, the accelerator, content, bacon, all these different things, you know, wh- take us back, take us back to the beginning, you know, back when you were a nugget or what, uh, however far you want to go. Okay. But like, how did, what's really interesting is like, how did you get these different experiences that now have led you to just really be a champion for good content, mindful content? Um, okay. Well, that's a, that's a pretty big question. Yeah, um, man. I'll get a uh, Snickers. Yeah. So where do we start? Um, I, you know, I grew up in South Florida. Um, nice. you know, I have two, I have two older brothers. Um, yeah, I think probably around the age of 10, we moved to Atlanta. Uh, parents got divorced when I was in Atlanta. That was a pretty impactful thing on who I'll say who, who yeah. I was developing or who How I was. How old were you at the time? 10, you said? 
Yeah, 10 years old. Uh, there's a new city, new setup with all that. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, that, that create, so events, you know, certain events in people's lives, they create ways of being for people. And right. so that certainly created something in me that I wasn't even aware of until many decades later. So, um, but you know, I guess my journey is, you know, moved back to South Florida, me and, and, you know, one of my brothers and my mom, and um, I went to grad, under, undergrad uh, down here in, in Miami. I have an undergrad degree in communications. Um, uh, and then after, after undergrad, I moved to Los Angeles. I, li- I lived in LA for almost 10 years working in the, in the film and television industry. No kidding. Yeah. I started- did you want to be an actor or do you just want to do like editing and filming? I went, I, I went out director. there thinking, I went out there thinking I'd be a director or a writer no or writer director. And, and I think what was, what was missing in me at that time was, was maybe some risk taking um, qualities or uh, yeah. wanting to, to put in those 10,000 hours. I don't, I think I had a, maybe a chip on my shoulder about it. Well, were you like directing at home all the time or what, what inspired <laughs> you to do that? And communications, I I did that too. Um, I think I was interested in creating visual content. Interesting. So, you know, at some point in college, I took, you know, film studies class or a series of them. Yeah, I I did that one. How'd you do? I, well, in those classes, I did phenomenal. In the other classes, I didn't do so far. Okay, I failed film studies, but we'll talk about that later. But go ahead. (laughs) So, I definitely fell in love with film. Interesting. Um you know, I thought, okay, yeah, let's, let's go work in film. And to me, the only place to work in film was, was LA. So right, naturally moved to LA and um, I worked in what might be viewed in LA as the sort of the stepchild part of the business, which is post-production. And so yeah. I worked in that part of the business for, for a while. I started a company with a couple of partners out there, oh, you cool. know, like in 2000, when, when DVDs were still kind of penetrating the market at a very steep pace. Sure. Uh, we started a company that was focused on, and this is even more sort of stepchild, uh, audio restoration. So huh. back up, I was in the audio post-production part of the business, not even God. not even God. picture post-production. So there, you know, a film gets shot and you have to do audio post and you have to do picture post. Right. So, um, but companies like MGM and Sony, they were going back into their library and re-releasing titles on DVDs. And so we had a connection with MGM and they hired us to start working on their library of films, foreign release films. So the first movie that we worked on was Platoon. Wow. Platoon, we got, we got the audio tracks in, is all European, uh, European audio tracks. So English, German, French, Italian, Spanish. Wow. And we had a platoon. For a platoon. And so what our job was to do uh, was to take that, you know, if it was a, if it was a stereo track, left, right, we had a, through engineering and through some trickery, <laughs> we would make that a surround sound. Wow. So, and we all would also clean up the audio. So the audio, if it had any hissing. Was it already timed to the lips? Because cause that would have been a nightmare to try to figure but, out. Well, so English English was fine because it was English. Oh, yeah. It was yeah. Just, just a different speed. Um, but the rest of the languages were dubbed. We would get the, the dubbed version. So, you know, yeah, the time code, you, you know, the picture picture and audio had to match up. Sound yeah. effects are still the sound effects, you know. If you, yeah, firing, thankfully, firing yeah. It's got to be a sound for a gunfire. 
So we did that. Wait, we wait, got gunfire is not in a different language. It's no. Like, pow, pow. Bing, no. bing. You know. We got paid seventy-five thousand dollars for that first project, and wow. we thought well, we it was like million. five of you, right, or something. It was three of us. Oh, three. Hey, it's not bad. No, did, you, it, did you have the entrepreneurial bug before that, or were you like, "Hey, there's something here"? I think that was. I think that was the bug. I, th I mean, yeah. I think I. I think I had it whenever. Whenever I had a job, I, I think I. I was built in such a way or wired in such a way that, you know, I, I often would want to ask for forgiveness, not permission, or I wanted to see how we can improve or find a better, or different way. Mm. So I think I had that kind of way of being early on, but the, this particular company was the start of, of being an entrepreneur. And um, we went on to, to work on hundreds of films for uh, MGM, um, you know, hundreds of films for, for Sony who was doing the same thing. They were re-releasing old titles. Right. And, you know, we went from a tiny, we started in my partner's living room. We went from the living room to a small studio, to a bigger studio. I eventually, you know, departed those guys and I moved back to South Florida, but they went on to build an even bigger studio. And, um, you, you know, is that, what is I, that how you got an accelerator? No. So there's, there's still, this okay. was, so this was, you know, 99 years ago. Right, right. Yeah. 2004. And when I moved back to South Florida, you know, my role with the company was to build the brand. Right. And so, and so I found that I was, you know, much more interested in building the brand than being in the film business. And so I said, I don't need to live in LA where I can't afford a house and you know, it was all that shit. So yeah, I was going to say it probably wasn't, you know, you weren't in like baller mode out there. Was not going down to money, probably just like scraping by. It was, you know, yeah. That, that it's all like, oh, it's all glamorous out there. It's like, well, for all the glam, there's you know, ninety five percent of the other people who are just like, you know, putting in the work and grinding it. You got it. You got it. Yeah. So, it, so came back to South Florida where you know where I have had a base, and yeah. I I started over professionally, but I started working in marketing, and I nice. used all of the storytelling techniques that I learned in the film business. Wow. So every, every story has a beginning, middle and end, a good guy, a bad guy, a problem, a solution. Right. Those, those are the, those are the fundamentals of, of theatrical storytelling. So I use those for, you know, as the overlay for my customers problems uh, in branding in advertising in, you know, marketing copy. And so I use all of those, uh, uh, to help my customers. And I worked for a marketing company down here. Um, and then I eventually left and I became the CMO for a software startup, um, nice. an angel funded software startup. And so that was, that was between, you know, the end of 07 and the beginning of 09. And you know, what happened in the beginning of 09, the whole, the whole world fell oh, apart yeah, totally. economically. <clears throat> so I was, I had a really, I had a really nice job, well-paying job, which I, you know, got laid off from because we ran out of angel money. Oh yeah, that that runway when you have when you have a startup, you know, you only have so much time. Yeah. You got to find that product market fit. You got to get some recurring revenue. You got to get some paying yeah. customers. You got it. The clock is ticking. Yeah. So in March of '09, I started my my previous company, which was a branding firm. Oh and, cool. Um, you know, I had a customer day one right away. I was I had a really fortunately I had a really I had a really deep network of, of right contacts. Yeah, yeah. So I was able to tap in right away. Other business owners say, hey, you know, I'm doing this thing on my own. You know, we can provide a lot of value for not a lot of money. You know, the, the economy at that time created this really great environment of freelancers who were very skilled. So much of the world was out of business or out of work, but they were very senior people. So I had access to senior designers, senior, wow. um, you know, web, web experts, uh, copywriters, 
So I was able to cobble together like a virtual agency and I was in business right away. And I did that for a few years and I was very happy. Um, you know, but it was a lifestyle business and it wasn't a business I could scale. That's when I joined Accelerator. Got it. Got it. And that's when I was like, oh shit, I can't scale this. I don't even want it. What am I doing? Yeah. 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 Interesting. And that's, that's when I met Wendy and she also, she had, she had a marketing agency, you know, focused on, on different services than I was focused on. Right. And initially I'm like, Hey, why, you know, why don't we just join, join forces and we'll just be a bigger version of what we have. And right. And we both were like, yeah, that doesn't sound great. What are you doing that's scalable and process oriented? What was I doing? And it was all around content. And so that's how content baking was born. And, um, you know, fast the rest forward. Is history, the man. rest is history. <laughs> that's really cool. You know, it, it's, it's those journeys that, that, um, you know, not always easy, tough. And, you know, who, who would have thought you'd, you know, be, you know, grinding it out at 2am editing some sound, you know, in LA and then yeah. you know, years later, you know, rocking it on EO stages and podcast <laughs> interviews. And well, that's, that's what I want. That's what I want my son to get. That's what I want my team yeah. to get is that, you know, those, those, those things we see that look like overnight successes, they're not, there's no right. such thing. Overnight successes take 10 years. And I don't think I was keen to that. As a younger, as a younger man, I, I, I you know, I, I know I wasn't. And even today, I, I, I have bouts of impatience. And as an entrepreneur, if there's one quality you have to have, it's patience because nothing happens quickly. Um, I know. <laughs> even the things that look like they're quick, they're not quick. So it's like 10,000 hours. How long does it take you to put in 10,000 hours into anything? It's a long time. How quickly do you think you can get to 10,000 hours? I don't know. I'm going to get out my calculator. It's like, right. So let's just do it real quick. So how many hours can you work in a week? I mean, without killing yourself, 60 hours, well, eight hours a day. Let's just say it's 60 as an entrepreneur, you're going to put in 60 hours a week, right? Well, I was thinking like you're working your job, you do your eight hours and then you sleep for eight hours. So eight hours a day. It's only 16 hours, 365 days a year, but we're not going to work 365. That's, that's only about 3,000 hours. So that'd be, that's like, there you go. Three, four years of eight hour days. You know, your son's played a lot of golf. <laughs> a lot of golf. And, and any entrepreneur that wants to have a successful multi million dollar annual revenue business, they, you just, you got to have patience. Certainly people get lucky. They strike gold. Right. They, right place, right time. Right. That is, the, that is the minority, the vast minority of businesses. The rest of us, Got to grind it out, grind it out, and have patience. And I think that's the one thing that I'm I'm now learn at 44 years old. I'm really getting. Well, you don't look 44, but I, I will say, you know, not just entrepreneurs, but really anyone, you know, losing weight, going to the gym, um, getting in yeah. shape, um, relationships, any of this stuff. You know, when you see like a lovey-dovey couple <laughs> that's like holding hands and they've been together for. 60 years you're like oh they're so sweet together they don't haven't necessarily always been sweet together they put in some work man absolutely they had to really get to know each other's uh, finer points so yeah that's that's a good it's a good point that you know anything that you really care about is you have to be intentional about really just putting in that time being smart about it you got to put in time and and that and that goes back to the content game it's like it's you know that's just a you got to do it it's like exercise 
you know, you don't, you don't do content for a month and you go, okay, I'm good now. Ripped after a month. I'm just going to stop now. Shred right? it. No, it's, no, it's like, right. You're always doing it. And that's what we want to advocate for. You know, whether, whether someone works with us or not, that's what we advocate for it. Right. You know, content is a, is a long-term slow burn, always on activity. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's a, uh, it's a mindset. It's a way of being, it's a constant activity. It's a constant thing that you're doing uh, as a part of lead gen, a part of nurturing, a part of everything. Yeah. You got it. Yeah. Well, cool, man. This has been awesome. I don't know if you looked at the clock, but time is just like, bam. It has. Like, <laughs> like a time warp chamber. This was great. I really enjoyed it, Casey. Thank you for having me on the show. Yeah. Well, hey, throw out some links. Um, okay. Where can people so, get in touch with you? Yeah. You can find us at contentbacon.com. Sure. Perfect URL that we, we were able to get. No one had that. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn. My name is Dave Custon. I'm sure you're going to put up some phenomenal graphics. Yeah, I want to show notes and, and um, find your best image. <laughs> yeah, you could, uh, so you, I mean, you could get, you go to Content Bacon, you'll find links to our Facebook. You'll find links to our Twitter, our Instagram, all that stuff. Sure. I'm on LinkedIn. Um, anyone wants to reach out, ask a question. I think you'll get that my whole intention is to be helpful. Yeah. Um, so, you know, again, any, any listener, anyone in, anyone out there that's, that needs some a kickstart that needs some help with, uh, with getting started. We're happy to have that conversation. Yeah, totally. What's your uh, Twitter? Is that a good place to connect to? Like what's your uh, Twitter? Handles Dave Custon. Dave Custon. Simple. Yeah. The Very man. Simple. It's not Dave Custon two, or <laughs> no. two or five. No. Or, 18 or 1980 no. <laughs> it's like it is what it is that would be 1973 it would be nice. i was i was giving you a couple of years in there <laughs> thank trying, you trying to help you out <laughs> appreciate awesome. it awesome well thanks again man this has been a blast likewise thank you casey awesome. yeah look forward to uh look forward to seeing it and promoting it and sharing with everybody absolutely and that's a that's actually a great point um you know for the people listening if you learn something here uh whether it's about marketing or even the mindfulness, getting in the hole, empathy, those kind of concepts. There's some good stuff. And, and even the idea that it doesn't happen overnight, you know, these kind of things. Think about who needs to hear that and share that with them. You know, share this episode with them, you know, Dave's information, get, you know, get that in their hands so that they can you know, take that next step to get out of whatever rut they've been in. So definitely do that. And there's one other thing we created. Um, and Dave, I'm going to invite you to this too. There is a hardcore marketing group on LinkedIn. It's like super secret private shadow group, ooh, ooh, uh, but it's like for, it. it's for anyone listening to listening to this as well as all of the, the speakers um, that we've had on the show. I love it. All on there. We just continue the conversation on there. So people have questions they can go hop on there, you know, create a discussion. And uh, so anyone that is listening, you can go look for that group and we'll add you to it. And Dave, awesome. I'll send you a, an invite shortly. To I look forward to it. Thanks awesome. Casey. Well, this has been the hardcore marketing show, everybody. We will check you all next time.